0: welcome back to kafaru cast everyone uh i'm riding solo because i think frank was out with the ladies all night he did not get up early so um but today is ultra lightweight backpacking day and for that reason i brought on kevin underwood one of the masters of going lighter weight and i suggest for people to go uh kevin thanks for coming on
1: yeah thanks for having me here
0: so I've brought up Kevin before on here. Frank and I have, because um, you, Kevin um, Underwood. He's from Oregon. He's one of those guys that can. He is in that crazy ultra lightweight crowd, and I've I've brought him up before because I know he's one not full of shit. Uh, shit too successful, so I know he can actually get it done. Meaning he is legitimately, you know, going seven days with twenty seven pounds or whatever it is. And Kevin will tell us that in a minute, and. And the one thing I, one of the biggest reason I wanted him to get on here is to, you know, tell people his experience with going that lightweight. Has there been any negatives? And if people are really wanting to cater that ultra lightweight side, you know, kind of what to expect because he's doing it every year. So have, have you always kind of catered to that lightweight crowd or lightweight side of thinking um, since you started backpack hunting?
1: Um, I've been headed that direction probably since, since early on uh when i first started out i had a you know i had a day pack that probably weighed 30 pounds and um once i got into backpacking i guess i just i figured that i it just seemed like i couldn't move every single day you know keep my gear on my back if it was too much over 30 pounds and just slow me down mostly so from there, I ended up reading an article at one point in time about a sheep guide, and I don't know who he was, and this was probably 10 or 15 years ago. And his setup was supposedly right at like 29 pounds for seven days with food, so everything minus water. And then once I read that, I figured, uh, well, if he could do it, then eventually I'd figure out how to do it.
0: Gotcha. Now, when um, just so you know, people kind of have context to this, there is uh, you know because I'm sure people have heard Frank and I talk about our pack weights. the, the reality of it is pa- Frank and I have probably the same gear that you do within reason of base gear. meaning Frank and I go back and forth between when it's applicable a synthetic bag or a I run Western mountaineering when I run a down bag, but a, a ultralight down bag and then we'll run a tarp. Uh, or we'll run a tent, you know, depending. Sometimes we'll run a bivy. We we don't carry tons of extra batteries, right? We carry what is exactly needed. What kills us is camera gear and optics. And in my case, food, because I eat too damn much. But we are, we have to carry the camera gear. But even still, if you take the camera gear out and things like that, because I've went over your packing list where you've, you know, just to, to I'm, I'm about five pounds heavier than you are like apples to apples and that five pounds is a shitload though and people don't realize five pounds is a lot of comfort a lot of food uh for some people now kind of go over your base packing list you don't have to be exact but you know how many days are you doing with exactly how many pounds how much food are you eating a day things like that
1: so in general most um i'll usually hunt you know let's let's take elk season i guess so Typically, I'm going to hunt somewhere between, like, 15 and 21 days, but those are going to be in, like, roughly seven-day spurts probably, six, seven days at a time. And then I'm going to come out, and if I haven't killed milk in a spot in a week, then I probably need a new spot or I need to think about something. So, um, anyway, I try and get my – what you'd call, I guess, my base weight, so everything – Minus, like, food and consumables. Well, I count batteries. So everything other than, like, food and stove fuel. uh, I typically want that to be, like, around 20 pounds, if I can help it. And that kind of keeps me around, like, uh, that'll keep me around, like, 30 to 35 pounds going in. But I don't really mind food weight so much. I'll carry extra food because I'll just eat the heavy stuff first. And that kind of comes out as I go. So then my real goal is to be, to be light, coming back out, especially if that means that I can get like an elk out in one trip or a mule deer, or in three trips. I mean, or a mule deer out in one trip, uh, just from not having too much gear weight.
0: Right now, what's your what's your build? I guess that's not always the case because I know a lot of little guys that can carry a shit ton of weight. And in, in my case, normally, you know, I I try to suggest people to not carry over half of their body weight. Which in my case, I break that rule frequently um what how much do you weigh what's your build and are you one of those no, uh, abnormal guys that is a 165 pound dude can carry a 130 pound load
1: i'm like a little i'm a little heavier than that i'm 5 8 like 180 pounds and so half my body weight's pretty comfortable at 90 90 pounds is like that kind of load i can i can move 10 miles um I've done up to 140 pounds and it sucks, but I think anytime you get up that high, it sucks. Probably no matter who you are Um, anymore. I try and kind of shy away from that because it it gets hard on, on my knees and my back and I feel better doing, you know, I can hike 20 miles a day. That's not a problem. So I'd feel better doing 20 miles with, you know, say 70 pounds for each of the two loads and doing 140 in, in one load.
0: Yeah, I I have to say on my end, if it's all downhill, I'm doing one forty. If it's uh or more, meaning you know, because there's some pack outs you have, there is zero uphill where I'm at. You know, depending upon where you kill it, it is downhill and smooth sailing the whole way. And downhill's probably well, not probably, definitely worse on your knees, but physically. I can I can make it downhill where they're you know you're not really looking at cardio as much. I'm not trying to cr- you know make any thousand foot climbs. When I ha- when I right. have those thousand foot climbs or whatever. Um, i can still do that it is just a suck fest so for me like the pack out is is really uh the amount of weight is dictated on the terrain if it's all downhill i'll suck it up buttercup and throw in whatever i can fit in my pack and head out if there's up and downhill uh that weight goes down i i start to really kind of assess how many trips it's going to take what what like when you're um I mean, I know where you guys hunt or not exactly where you hunt, but I know the area, it's pretty rough in there. But when you, have you, you know, going that lightweight, I mean, are you running a three-season tent? Do you run a tarp? Do you run kind of a mixture dependent upon the seasons? Uh, what, What are you using for like a shelter and a sleep system in general, bag, pad, the whole nine?
1: So pretty much early season stuff, always a tarp. I really like the tarp just because I can get it up like, let's say six feet off the ground. I can walk under the thing um which is really nice i don't like i hate the thing being in a little tiny tent and like sitting up and rubbing your shoulders against the wall and dripping condensation all over yourself in the morning your bag and everything else so i go to a tarp uh once like the first of october rolls around up there around tree line like there's it seems like it snows at least some every week and then i go to uh, a one-man hilleberg uh the octo which i guess is kind of a four season it's right and I kind of the lower end of four season range. Um, And then for a bag, uh, I run your bag some, but uh, more than that, I I definitely run a down bag from right now. I got one from feathered friends and uh, I kind of think they're up there with Western mountaineering. Those would be my My, two choices bag wise. And that's usually always a 20 degree, whether that's on the slick bag or the down bag. And then uh, I really only use one pad. I just use the the Thermarest, the NeoAir X Therm, the insulated one. Yeah, and I use that all
0: year. Gotcha. Now, have you have you ever had um, a tarp kind of bite you in the ass because of weather where well, you really looked back and thought, Jesus, I should have brought a shelter?
1: Yeah, on occasion, uh, mostly with snow. Um, you, you know, you get snow, and then once it comes down, and if you get wind with it it's not like rain where it hits the ground and it's done you know uh the snow will come so far under the edges and blow all over you and your gear and everything else so if if snow's in the forecast I really got to think about it and i'm probably taking the hill up just about every time if i'm
0: thinking it's going to snow yeah no i i uh i think you and i are pretty close same with frank on the as far as on those lines, like, and I'll run a bivy sometimes with a tarp, depending upon, you know, our tree line is, is much different than yours. Um, you know, not saying the weather's any different, because it's not. I mean, tree line's tree line, and, and uh, I mean, 7,500 feet in, in Oregon, in, in my opinion, is equivalent to eleven five here in Colorado. Um, just just for the simple fact, your tree line is about 7,500 in it, something like that?
1: Yeah, 7,500 uh... 8500 maybe on the high end but yeah probably eight thousands. like eight thousand is about where i spend a large majority of my time
0: yeah and we're you know here somewhere around 11 11 5 is treeline you know what you, at least you're getting into the sparsy pine and bristle comb and definitely where you're going to get the shit kicked out of you by weather um and uh i don't run the the, the octo anymore from from hilleberg as much I'll, I'll run uh i run a nyack and an onion um you know depending i guess um and it they're not quite as robust as an an octo but um i, I run a solo sometimes as well if it's really really bad especially those october goat hunts at 12 thirteen thousand just for the fact it can handle more wind but that's a it's a five pound it's well just under five pound one man shelter so i really yeah. I mean, I got to think, I mean, I'm really, that's a decision that I really got to think about. Like, okay, what can I get away with? And, and, and Petra and Stewart have actually yelled at me several times for posting photos and not yelled at me. They have talked to me about running their lighter weight shelters at 13,000 feet in wind and snowstorms. Yeah, right. But I, I think what people, one of the reasons I want to get you on here is, is uh, people need to understand when you go that lightweight or you cheat the system a little bit, you need to have the the field craft or the woodsmanship to be prepared to know what to do if if shit goes sideways and and most people from from what i'm finding out don't and you were basically raised in the woods since birth like you hunted as a kid you were you're born you you weren't born in the city and just all of a sudden watched social media and thought fuck i'm going to go hunting like this is what you've done and i mean you, you work in the, the you work in the, you're you're a timber cruiser what do you do
1: Yeah, I cruise timber mostly and a little bit of other stuff. I own a forestry contracting business. Um,
0: But you're right,
1: like that puts me in the woods. I mean, just that alone, say 250 days a year and then uh, give or take, I take probably more vacation than that. But, you know, a couple hundred days a year there and then I spend 60, 70 days a year in the field actually hunting. So, you know, I'm used to being in, in the weather and being outside. And so I think that goes a long ways, you know, whether you're doing it to, to hunt or whether you're standing out there all day. Cause you have to, and, and hiking through that crap.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. For, for sure. Do you got like advice wise, like, cause you know, where we, we give you shit, um, like on Kafaro insiders or will you, people message me and be like, well, I've been talking to Kevin and, I'm going to try and, you know, do, you know, seven days in a 3000 cubic inch pack and I'm going to run a quilt and, I, you know, and I'm like, Hey, have you ever, have you done this before? Because Kevin actually knows what he's doing. Like you. Yeah. Right. You know, where it's, uh, <laughs> uh, it's,
1: I guess the thing for me, and I mean, I'll admit to people up front, like it's not always the most comfortable and it's not always you know, you gotta. Sometimes you gotta baby some gear. I try, and I think people would be surprised actually if they knew what I use because a lot of it's gonna be stuff that's not the lightest. It's on the heavier end or kind of in the middle ground. But it's a matter of just for me cutting items out. But where going with that is, I I would rather be on the mountain. There's not anything that's gonna send me home, even if uh, even if I'm miserable because I like being up there more than I like going back to the truck and drying out. So, you know, I know if, if that's an issue for people, like then they're going to need gear that's more comfortable to keep them there, but that's not going to be an issue for me. So I'm just trying to keep myself alive basically. And, uh, you know, with that, like there's ways to cut weight for sure. Um, I tried the quilt thing speaking of that, but I don't think it's for me. So I'm actually back to a sleeping bag now. Um, But the biggest thing is just going to be, like, I think really going through people's list and, like, looking at stuff and asking them if they've used it in the last, you know, two or three years. If you haven't used it in the last two or three years, it can probably go.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do the same thing. I'll, I'll have people even the last two trips and say, lay your gear out, you know, on the right side of the line is what you've been using. On the left side of the line is what you haven't used at all. The shit on the left side of the line, you can usually leave out of your pack totally. And, and I read a lot of gear lists and I'm sure you do too, of guys coming out West that, you know, they've got socks for every day. They've got a change of pants. They've got a lot of things that, I mean, I might carry one extra set of socks. Normally I do cause I can, you know, dry one out and wear the other one, um, you know, or, or, you know, if they get funky, I can rinse them off in a Creek, hang them to dry and wear the other set. But, we pretty much what we're wearing in minus rain gear and a puffy jacket is that's what we've got. I mean, that's all we, we bring. And, you know, we don't like batteries. If it's a five day trip, I don't bring extra batteries for my headlamp. I do have like a backup Petzl e light which I carry in my, my chest harness, but uh, you know, I don't bring, you can what if yourself into a 70 pound pack for five days real, real freaking fast. And I would imagine like when you look at your gear list there is no extra necessities or luxury items for the most part it's it's just whittled down to exactly what you need. Now do you run I I've never I haven't I don't run spreadsheets or I don't weigh anything because I what's in that pack I know I need it and so I it doesn't really the the weight of that item is inconsequential cuz I've got to have it anyway. Just if if a spreadsheet tells me it's heavy I still got to carry it. So I really almost don't want to know. Cause I mean, I need what's in there and, and I've got my gear list dialed and I, I don't cater to the, I have a bigger pack. I, I put more stuff right. in it cause I, I got what I got and it doesn't matter what size of pack I have it. That that's the shit that I need. Now, do, do you run uh spreadsheets and stuff like that where you get really anal on the exact weight of everything? Or do you just put in your pack what you need?
1: So I do, I do have a spreadsheet and, uh, the reason I started with the spreadsheet is I actually don't use it at all when it comes to packing before I leave on a hunt. Like it's, a, it's out the window at that point. The reason I got into using a spreadsheet was in the off season, let's say come like November or December, I'd sit down and originally, you know, I weighed out every single thing I had and, and put it in a list and like, and looked at my gear list and like, okay, these are the areas that, you know, I think I could probably cut a little weight. Um, you know, and then you can, I use Excel instead of some of the online sites. I like Excel better, but then I go through and with the sum at the bottom, you know, I could just delete out an item like, oh, I didn't use this. What happens if I take this out and kind of go from there? But by the time, let's say July or August rolls around, I got my gear, like it's over at that point. If I need it, I'm taking it. It's either in the pack or it's not.
0: Gotcha. Uh, Is there any time—I mean, I guess what is something that you would suggest—well, a few items that you would suggest, no matter what, people should always have in their pack, um, which kind of would seem fairly simple to maybe you and I because we're out there all the time, but we get a lot of guys that are green listening, that no matter what should always have in the pack. And then maybe some things that you've noticed people, maybe whether you're helping them out— while they're hunting with you or sending you messages um you know with questions maybe a few list of items of things that people always seem to take and and never need like off the top of your head
1: yeah i think one of the things i don't ever like to go anywhere without would be a tarp and that's even if i'm even if i'm hunting for the day um i want to have a tarp with me all the time which is why i really like your sheep tarp because it's small but it's enough that if you get yourself in a bad situation somewhere and got to hunker down, like you can get you can get underneath it. Um, and past that, I, I mean, it's getting less popular. I think more people should probably carry a compass and learn how to use one. Um, on you know land nav wise, that's something I do daily. So I know that not everybody has a skill set, but I, I don't know. I feel like more people get themselves into trouble or. I've been out with a lot of people who got a great GPS and then they sit there and we're arguing over which way is which because they don't know how to read it and that'll get people in trouble in a real hurry.
0: It's like the Jack Sparrow and, compass. They think it's going to point where they yeah, want to go. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen people go both ways
1: with the GPS thinking that, you know, thinking the things screwed up because the arrow in the center turns around when they walk the other direction. They think whatever way they're holding it up is the way they're walking. <laughs> no, know, that's north the whole time. Um, and then, you know, a good headlight or a good flashlight of some sort, that's something I always keep in my chest harness because you chase an animal somewhere, you get out too late. If you don't have all your gear on you, it gets dark and you don't get a light, you know, I think you're kind of up shit Creek. And, uh, I just seen that happen too many times with people, you know, they don't have one. They left it in their sleeping bag that morning from the last night, whatever it is.
0: Gotcha. I think, uh, you know, the, the land nap thing, I'm a a stickler on because, uh, why I just talked to, um, I did a podcast yesterday and and a guy asked me, um, you know, what a couple gear items that I think are, you know, important that, um, that I have in my pack. And one was that I run that Garmin, it was a 401, but it's a 601 now. It's just an upgraded version. And, and I, and i I run a UTM, so i ten-digit grid, eight-digit 10 grid coordinates, and and that is important to me because as long as I have um, a map and a ten-digit grid, I'm never lost. I can always plot out where I'm at. I don't I don't need a big GPS. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but um, I brought up that Garmin Zero site, which is um like it it, it ranges for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. But my, my, my point to him was there's nothing wrong with the site, but what it is is that it does the same thing a GPS does. I think everyone should have a GPS, but I think everyone should know how to manually land nav uh, before they grab the GPS as a Band-Aid because the GPS isn't always going to work, right? You need to know terrain association. Uh, you need to know how to read a compass. Um, you know, common sense things, the direction most – commonly that rivers or creeks are flowing um you know just simple shit like that and and i think that that garmin zero sight i don't think there's anything wrong with the sight but it's a band-aid for people that haven't done their due diligence in, in in judging yardage i'm not i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with putting one on your bow but for the most part the people that i know are putting it on their bow have not spent any time practicing judging yardage. The same goes for a GPS. And most people don't even know how to work the GPS, let alone a compass. But it, they're trying to use it as a Band-Aid um, for, for skill. And some things you can't practice if you're living in Chicago, Illinois, right? You cannot, right. pretty hard to go backpack, but you can practice land nav anywhere. You can practice it in the city. You can You can learn to land nav without being in the wilderness. You can do it anywhere you want you get long as (laughs) long as you have a map and a compass you can practice you can learn it on youtube you can learn it wherever and then go get hands-on and i i think um field craft is like a lost art a lot of woodsmanship skills that are just not being um i mean you and i are basically from the same place so running a chainsaw at 10 years old splitting firewood is not abnormal where you compare it to a kid how many kids nowadays do you know um are running chainsaws at ten years old and splitting firewood. Yeah, not very many. It's hard to find somebody who even owns one. Yeah, and I mean I remember my, my dad and his friends um kicking the shit out of me because I was screwing up sharpening the chainsaw when I was pretty young. Where, you know, nowadays if I if I handed my daughter a file who who's above most for kids, um and showed her how to you know sharpen a chainsaw that would be like this epic it would be fun because it was so far out of the norm where for me i was like son of a bitch i gotta sharpen this thing again where for her like, oh yeah i get to play with a you know, power tool because no no one is doing that anymore. And along the lines with that is like building a fire, you know, um, common sense stuff that people just don't think about. Um, and a lot of that goes along the lines with how much one you can suffer and how much you can get away with leaving out of your pack because of, you know, your, your field craft or is a little bit higher than, than others. Um, I mean, when you when you're heading out, I mean, do you uh, like clothing wise? Are you following the um, the merino wool base, synthetic mid and outer layer? Like, what do you what do you run clothing wise?
1: Uh, I I did for <clears throat> quite a while. Uh, I don't particularly care for merino anymore. More, it just dries too slow for me. I sweat quite a bit, and um, so I run synthetic all the way through, like from against the skin out. Um, so I run a synthetic shirt synthetic pant uh, i use the piranhas for the pants and use those all year round. and um and a nylon shirt so on occasion i run like the sitka lightweight one and then the rest of the time i actually just use like a, a hiking shirt from columbia because those things are like 99 percent nylon and they dry super fast and then a synthetic mid-layer i know you like kind of the weight of Oh, uh, like that Sika heavyweight hoodie, I think it is.
0: That one in the uh, the Swazi, both just kind of a heavyweight fleece with a hood.
1: Yeah, so that one's like slightly warm for me. So I use that Sika midweight one a lot, and then I'll use a puffy jacket and and rain gear essentially. And those the puffy jacket and rain gear are kind of the two things that like change as the, as the season goes on, I'll I'll keep using that same mid layer and base layer and pant. But as the season progresses and gets colder, I'll bump up to a heavier puffy jacket. And then when it gets late, I go to, you know, a real heavy set of rain gear, I guess.
0: Right. Yeah. And I'm not too much different on that. I, I have four basic puffy jackets that I use and they change you know, all the time. But I think for whatever reason, I've got rain odds. Like I get cold super easy. When I was a fat kid, I didn't so much. Um, I'm still somewhat of a fat kid. But that midweight weight layer, um, I've ran a lighter one and in the summer it's fine. But I've run the heavy one in the summer and it's not like, you know, I'm very rarely ever hiking in that thing. Um, you know, for me, mostly it's how cold I get sitting and glassing. And I really like that you know, that hood, but those are definitely things that people, you know, can kind of take into consideration, I guess. And I know a lot of guys that double up on those things, like they'll wear a really lightweight Merino base layer. They'll have that midweight and the heavy weight, uh, which for me is overboard for the most part. If it's that cold, I just bring a heavier, uh, more insulated puffy jacket because it's yeah. lighter weight.
1: If you look at, if you're taking two of them, you know, going to, if you want to talk packing light what you gain you know those things okay like the light one's gonna be 10 12 ounces the the heavier one's gonna be 12 or 14 like what you could gain for an extra 12 ounces in a puffy jacket is a lot because you're already carrying a puffy anyway it's like
0: 20 degrees or something ridiculous it's a shitload (laughs)
1: right like if you got if you're normally carrying like a 20 ounce puffy jacket and you're taking two of those you could hop up to like a two pound insulated puffy and that thing will be good if you're sitting on the ground down to zero degrees out and um you know as far as the midweight and kind of heavyweight like middle fleece layer if you want to go with that or the lighter and and more moderate one uh i don't look at that like i don't use the lighter one because it's lighter i have both of them it's just i took them both out in the woods on different trips and the thicker one that you likes is too much for for my body anyway to hike in really
0: Yeah, it really boils down. I'm I'm kind of a pussy uh, when it comes to cold and that's Totally as candid as I can be I get cold easy. Do you like you laugh? It's bad like I will shiver like a cat shitting razor blades With a decent wind and 30 degrees after 30 minutes glassing like just shivering and so just from the amount of time i've been in the field I know when I need to run compared to like, you know, your, our, our gear list will probably be a lot of the same, but you may run yeah. your puffy jacket at a certain t- degree may still be a pretty ultra lightweight where I've bumped up my pumpy puffy jacket because I'm, I'm, I'm going to get colder easier. And I, I run, um, I have some, uh, like hydrophobic down, uh, puffy jackets, the, the Kafaru Lost Park Parka. Um, you know, I have, uh, a couple kind of cheaper, they're PrimaLoft one, they're not cheap insulation, but they're a little bit, I guess you could say, um, uh, disposable puffy jackets that I'll wear in real moderate, uh, temperatures yeah. just to have one. The, the Lost Park Parka I run, um, a lot when, uh like when i know whether there's going to be a lot of rain and sleet and issues and i just don't want to take the jacket off and worry about getting it wet um that's where i really like that lost park parka but when i'm going like super ultra lightweight i'm not so worried about rain um i run a like a nine actually it might be 950 fill it's a, it's nine or 950 fill hydrophobic down, and you know, it compresses super small. It's probably six ounces lighter, maybe even eight lighter than my lost park parka. But I, there, it is fragile. I mean, it's, I mean, it, the outer shell is like a, you know, 10D or something ridiculous. Like you can fart and rip a hole in it, but and way much. It is nice to carry and it is very warm. I just got to know, you know, you got to know what you're getting into. Um, are you running all down or do you run like a little bit of both synthetic and down or for your puffy jackets?
1: I like synthetic a lot better for puffy jackets. I do have a down one, same deal. Uh, 900 plus fill, And with like, I think it's got three and a half or four ounces of down in it. So it comes out at 11 or 12 ounces total. And, uh, I do like that a little bit for early season, but as soon as I expect any weather, I use your Lost Park Parka. Like that's probably my favorite synthetic one I got. And as much as the hunting community probably bashes on Patagonia, I do kind of like their stuff too. And I use their, uh, let's see, I think it's the, the Neo Air or the Nano Air. It's essentially like Sitka's Kelvin Active Jacket, but Patagonia came out with it like two years before Sitka did, and uh, I've been using that since then. So I like that as like a lightweight synthetic puffy. It breathes and dries really fast, and then, uh, and then the Lost Park Parka, uh, definitely, if the weather's going to get bad.
0: Yeah, no, no, for sure. And I have to say, I mean, hats off to Patagonia, and not bashing any outdoor uh, hunting clothing company but whether it be mamut rab patagonia arcteryx whatever we're coming out with in the hunting line they came out with already um in in my opinion there's nothing <laughs> that is revolutionary that we're coming out with it hasn't already been done um you know by one of those uh one of those companies or, or other backpacking companies um the uh the the Kelvin the Kelvin Active is a is a is a great example because I love that jacket and I and I have that Patagonia jacket you're talking about. Amy wears it a lot, and uh, there's a few twists and turns aside. There's a little bit of differences in the Kelvin Active, but for me, that's a great jacket. Um, I, either when it gets colder to add to my intermediate fleece layer, and I'll even put a puffy over that because, like I said, I'm a weenie. Or um, it may be something because it is pretty quiet. You can bow hunt in that thing that yeah it's, it's awesome dude i i like hiking around i'll hike around with that thing on where i'm not moving super fast but it is pretty cold um you know and and it dries really quick i mean the thing i i love that jacket it's it's um I well adam got one and he didn't really like it i don't think he understood the concept of it i'm like dude it's not a sitting glass for an hour and a half jacket uh in the cold it's a keep an on-haul ass jacket and stay warm. I mean, it is unique, and I think some people do. I've had a lot of questions about it, have trouble wrapping their head around why they would have a puffy jacket that wouldn't keep them warm just sitting there for a long time, but it's got a niche. And for mountain hunting, especially above treeline, it's a niche that that, uh, I fill with that thing quite often. It's been been a great piece of kit.
1: Yeah, that's... That idea is awesome, and I really like it. And usually where I use it is I'll take – I might even take out, like, that that middleweight fleece layer, and I'll put that jacket in with the, you know, like a heavier puffy, like your Lost Park parka. And I'll use both of them. And that would be in colder weather situations. But as well as that thing breathes and as quiet as it is, like, you can still stalk and hunt in it. It's uh, – that's a pretty – Killer setup because it, I mean that thing dries so damn fast. You can be out in the rain and get soaking wet, and that jacket's dried through in
0: forty minutes. Oh yeah, yeah for for sure. Um, yeah, it's been it's been great. Um, and and on a backpack hunting uh, side of things, the ability to be able to dry shit out is is huge. And and even if you're talking about drying it out because you've got five hours of of sun popping through or uh, in some cases I'll throw in some wet gear, uh, in my synthetic bag and, uh, you know, it'll get fairly dry overnight, sometimes totally dry. Sometimes it just is lukewarm when I wake up, but, um, clothing that can dry out is, is huge. I do wear like a super thin Merino base layer. Um, it's an icebreaker, like a 140 weight t-shirt. It dry, it does dry fast cause it's thin. Um, I'm kind of like you, I do still wear, um, like, um. Uh, somewhat frequently um, like a, a, a long sleeve pretty thin synthetic base layer uh, sometimes and it's the exact same reason after that base layer man I, I just uh, the weight of heavy wool when it's wet is just a fucking killer and how long it takes to dry like you can hang, you can have a synthetic on the dash of your truck and it'll dry in 15 minutes with the heat blowing on it you're like two hours or more with merino and that that is a big downside to it in the weight uh when it's wet is, is huge and where you're at dude it rains horribly every day um so that's a huge thing to consider when you're picking your kit for clothing
1: yeah it rains a lot and um i i did the merino base layer thing for quite a while and i guess i don't know about you i only carry you know the only base layer i have is the one i wear in i don't bring another shirt and so if that thing, you know, if I sweat in it or it gets all wet, I'm wearing it till it's dry. And with like a nylon kind of based fabric, that thing's going to be dry. If it's sunny out, it's going to be dry in 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Uh, and with Merino, if it's sunny, it might be a couple hours. If it's not sunny, like there's a chance I'm waking up in the sleeping bag the next morning and it's still wet and sunny on my back.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, yeah. <laughs> when you were running... Like Merino, um, when I say base layers, I guess, I'll have a short sleeve t-shirt and sometimes I'll bring a, a long sleeve and sometimes and then I'll leave the short sleeve at home. It just depends. What The base layer, I really only wear Merino up against my skin um, just to help with the funk factor. And so it's a pretty lightweight, you know, base or whatever. So just so people don't get confused, I just use that almost as a um, a barrier to help with the funk, um, with the other layers. Cause I don't stink as bad as some, like it takes a few days for synthetic to really stink with, with me. But, um, man, I've some smelt some guys that are like a sack of assholes in 24 hours wearing synthetic. Uh, it's not as bad with me. And, and that base layer just helps that uh, with that a little bit. Um, what do you do for a cook system? Like, um, you know, do you run the same thing all the time, and what is it, and when do you change?
1: Uh, I like stoves, so I got a bunch of them. Um, I guess right now I'm mostly bouncing around between oh uh, i guess I guess two of them um, I like it as simple as it is, and it's definitely a cheap option, which is good, I suppose uh, just like the old school pocket rocket, which is you know similar to to some of the stoves you use and there's probably better versions of it but i like being able to pick my own cook pot and like kind of swap and match and um, use what size i want so i use that and then i do use an alcohol stove and alcohol stoves can be a major pain in the ass but i spent the better part of like two winters working on those and making a bunch of them and it probably took me like 10 or 12 stoves before i found one that actually worked but once you figure it out, it's not a bad option, and uh, the fuel's not really any lighter. The stove's a little lighter, but where you really save the weight is just not carrying the metal canisters for your fuel.
0: Yeah, definitely go into the the alcohol stove because I bash them all the time because they are a paint – Not all the time. I'm not a a fan in inclement weather of of alcohol stoves. I think in for for me in summer conditions, it doesn't really um they're great. Um you know, I've even used asbit stoves before which really aren't that efficient either. I mean, you can do better with an alcohol stove, but and then they smell like shit too. But um kind of go into the alcohol stove when you would use that how much weight it's saving um you know, in general and in the negative sides to it and the positive sides. So
1: the negative I suppose is generally it cooks a little bit slower and you got to be a little smarter with it because once you dump your fuel and you're not getting it out, so you're pre-measuring fuel. So you kind of got to have a feel for the stove. Otherwise you're just going to take extra fuel. And, uh, I guess the other downside is if you spill that fuel, you're kind of shit out of luck because you're going to have to pour it into the stove. Whereas like the canister, obviously it's contained and you're not probably going to accidentally lose the whole thing. Um, as far as use, um, the one I have, what made the difference for me is, okay, so typically you got like an alcohol stove and you'll light it. And what happens is it warms up and the alcohol kind of vaporizes and it comes out the little jets or whatever. Right. So with the one I use, I found a design on YouTube sooner or later, and it uses a wick. And so with the wick, um, you know, if you have a, a the other type where it vaporizes as it heats up, that thing's heating up and you put like freezing cold water in a pot on the top of it. Sometimes it'll put the stove out. Um, but with a wick, it doesn't matter how windy it is or how cold the pot on top is. And so that thing, once you light it, it's, it's lit the whole time. It's not going out until it's out of fuel and um, more. I It's a great stove. I typically really only use it if I'm not cooking a lot. Like I don't want to have to cook anything other than like boiling water in it. And since it is a little slower, I'd use it probably like early season where I'm only like cooking maybe one freeze-dried meal and like one cup of coffee a day. Um, but as soon as I go to something, I like coffee. So as soon as it gets cold, I'm going to drink three or four cups of that a day and maybe eat oatmeal in the morning that's hot and and probably cook a freeze-dried meal. Then I'm going to go to a canister stove because it's just
0: easier. What are you running for a canister stove normally? Um,
1: mostly that pocket rocket.
0: You, you um, never deviated tra- from it?
1: No, I have, I've tried all kinds of stuff. Um, I should try another, another stove, probably like in the similar kind of apples to apples as that. And I think, I think I'm actually ending up with the jet boil one to look at here in a little bit. They kind of copied the pocket rocket and have a knockoff of it. But uh, I tried some of the, I guess you'd say like the jet boil systems and, uh, Like the MSR wind burner, I have one of those, and neither one of those I really care for. Like, they are a little bit faster. Um, I just don't like the, mostly the bulk of them. Like, I don't like the pot shape, how tall they are, and and whatever else. I kind of went back away from those. And also that wind burner, for whatever reason with the regulator, if you get that thing below, like, 20 degrees, it does not burn worth a damn. Like, it'll take 12, 15 minutes to boil water in it
0: yeah it's weird because I did not have that issue with the reactor in that colder weather in the wind burner I did um which same basic stove but obviously when they redesigned it um I did the the reactor did fine for me in colder weather uh I have to say uh I I ran a um for the last couple seasons fairly frequently I'm kind of like you I have a pile of different stoves and I ran a um a windmaster from soda which is kind of like a pocket rocket a little bit lighter version and uh ever new cook set
1: i Um, think that's the better version probably to be honest is that Soto.
0: it it, i i had the newer pocket rocket just for a couple weeks just for you know testing or whatever and there was a little bit of difference um a little bit better in the wind a little bit wider a little bit lighter um with that windmaster but with that ever new cook set especially if i don't bring both pots i'm down to like i think it was that seven and a half or eight ounces for the the pot and the um, the windmaster, the cook set um, dude that's hard to beat and that's for a big pot and you know you look at, it's a pound for a, well it's 14 and a half ounces for a reactor um, an MSR reactor and then uh, you know I think, um, what are you at for, uh, what's a pocket rocket is it like 7 ounces or something what does that thing weigh?
1: With the pot or? Without it Oh, if you keep it in a little plastic case, it's it's actually pretty light. It's like three and a half or something, and then like two something if you take it out of the case and just stick it in the pot. And I use a pretty small pot. I use an Evernue. Uh, I think it's like a 570 milliliter. So basically, I just want to boil 16 ounces, and that's all that's
0: good for. And and that's what I've got one of those inside of a, of a bigger pot when I'm not too weight conscientious. So I just... Um, Uh, Basically, one of them is for my coffee and one of them is when we're dehydrating our meals. And then that way my coffee doesn't taste like ramen or or vice versa. Um, And I'm cooking for two usually with that that system. But, I mean, there's something to be said for... um, it is a very simple system i for the life of me i hate jet boils one for their stance on hunting and i've had people tell me oh i called and asked them i'm like oh i'm sure you did and i'm sure they told you what they're supposed to say but i've talked to very high up people at jet boil they fucking hate hunters like don't buy a jet boil they suck but i've had jet boils go down they're not the most efficient um you can't um when i say a jet boil a reactor is the same way they aren't as versatile they are a little bit more bulky they are a little bit heavier um they're not that i mean as far as efficiency goes the reactor is more efficient than that soto system i have but when you talk about efficiency they're not more they're not so efficient that it outweighs that eight ounce increase in weight when you start to you know what I mean? Um,
1: yeah, it's not its not even close to that. You might save half an ounce or an ounce of fuel over a week. Yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> and I think the other thing I'd mention, and this kind of goes into how I think most of the time, but my big issue with like the system stoves, like the reactor, I haven't used a reactor, but something like that. I like the idea a lot, and they are really efficient, but my mind always kind of falls back to like getting buy on something if something goes down and by having something like that a stove and one of those ever new cook pots like i don't know how many times i pushed to hunt an extra day or you know maybe didn't have quite as much fuel as i should have or what like i can set that thing on top of fire and i can cook in it or heat up water but you start taking one of those system stoves like a wind burner or something it's really hard to put that on top of fire and, and heat water in it
0: no, you're, you're 100% correct. It's also not that cooking fish or uh, squirrels or whatever is something people do a lot. It is easier to cook, um, whether it be grouse or, or fish or whatever, in that ever-new cook pot I have um, in comparison to a um, – L- like an MSR reactor or one of the, the the systems, and and I like the reactor. It's I think it's the most bomb-proof stove out there. But there's downsides to it. Um, and in that Evernew cook set, I can throw some olive oil in there, regulate the heat a little bit better, and uh, and actually cook that. You can't do that on on one of the system stoves worth a damn. I mean, you, you could. It just doesn't work worth a shit really. So that's another thing. Um, is there any other like gear like highlights or? tech tips tidbits or anything else that you've kind of learned along the way um you know that you'll you know kind of let people know
1: yeah i suppose i mean basically what i did is i i just kind of over the years went through every single item whether that was as small as you know a headlamp or you know as big as a a shelter and kind of just like picked my way through each one over time and tried to really you learn the stuff and and learn how it works and and try and Build a system of gear that doesn't go south or that you have some like fail safes in, um, which helps a lot because if your stuff, you know, if you got a backup, and then at least if something fails, you're not having to come off the mountain. Um, kind of back to something earlier, I think one of you know, when we we're talking about land nav. I mean, that's almost as important as any piece of gear. I mean, how many guys do you know that have found a great animal and like went on a stock and then didn't uh you know didn't end up they ended up in the wrong spot in other words like they came in on the wrong ridge line or something else like that's all back to land nav and the gps can kind of cover that the band-aid a little bit but if you can't look at your gps map and like tell where that animal is on your gps it still doesn't do any good
0: yeah terrain association is huge whether it be on hand or, or reading the terrain features on a map and correlating together huge. Yeah. Very big. And it's something most people don't know how to do.
1: Yeah. And I mean, my theory on gear is basically to cut weight where I can. And then there's certain things like if you were to look at my gear list where I'm not going to cut weight on, like I still don't really have an ultralight tripod and I don't have an ultralight spotting scope. And the reason for that is like, I want to be as efficient as possible and, and cut the packway down so I can move better. But at the same time, if you do all that and you can't stay on the mountain or you can't glass well enough, like you're defeating the whole point because you're, you're there looking for an animal to hunt.
0: What kind of tripod are you running in Spotter? Uh, outdoorsman's, uh, it's the
1: medium. I actually kind of like the medium better than the compact medium. I'm and with you on that one. The regular pan head, the original one on it or the little bit heavier one and uh, I'm using, it's not the heaviest spotting scope. It's not the lightest, uh, like a 65 millimeter Zeiss Dioscope.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. That's a good scope. They don't really make, they don't make that anymore, which sucks.
1: So that whole package, I mean, if you look at, if I put that in my pack, like my pack without foods at 20, 21 pounds, somewhere in there. And that's a little over seven pounds I got to seven seven and a quarter pounds out of the 20 which is a huge chunk of the weight but if you need it you need it like I'm not going to cut weight on optics and I'm not going to cut weight on on my bow or something stupid like that
0: yeah, yeah, no, I carry the Hubble, dude, I carry that 95, it sucks balls, but I run that, I have that compact medium and a, um, the same head, uh, the standard outdoorsman pan head. and I've got a really right stuff, I've got a couple Gitsos, and Frank actually has my lighter, um, you know get so i just with the outdoorsman like brian ran mine over once um i I guess what i'm getting at is you can beat the holy ever-living shit out of that thing and it still works um it never gets bound up from grit i've had the head get a little bound up before um it still worked it was just a little gritty just from shit just dragging in it but i've just had the best luck as far as long-term durability with the the outdoorsman myself and uh and like again you can run it over it still worked um where I've had some issues with carbon off and on, and uh, you know that it's the worst thing to have is is gear that you have to carry around because it's so expensive that's not working because you need to mail it home, mail it when you get home. That fucking irritates the shit out of me. And I've had that yeah, happen.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and uh, the biggest thing on that tripod for me is it doesn't have those little twist locks because i've broken too many of those in the past in the cold on other tripods they get brittle and they snap in there you know it's 15 20 degrees out and then your tripod's down
0: yeah oh yeah no i had a carbon tripod um uh, the the vertical rod snap in half out east um in high wind i don't know Ouch. if it's a fluke or what dude but i mean the hubble just snapped right off a big gust of wind hit it and i think you know it was several digits in the negatives and i don't know if it made that carbon grip brittle and just that big spotter and that gust of wind snapped it um but it snapped off bigger than shit um I didn't even think that was possible with that, you know, carbon, that's that size of a carbon tube, but I guess it, it happens. Um, so where can people, um, we're getting close to an hour here, where can people find you? I know you have a, like a blog or whatever, and I know you got a, an Instagram page. And, and if, if you don't mind people asking you questions, especially the ones trying to go lightweight, where can they look you up at?
1: Yeah, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, and I do have a blog again. I used to do that quite a while ago and I'm kind of getting back on the horse with that. So that's more recent. Um, the blog's Kevin Underwood. blog, and then I'm on Instagram and Facebook just
0: as my name. Gotcha. Do you mind people quizzing you from time to time with questions on going lightweight?
1: No, it's great. I, I enjoy it. Um, you know, I it's been way too much time probably going through gear and thinking about gear. And so that kind of helps me get an outlet for that. And, um, and that's a lot of fun.
0: Cool, cool. Well, good. Well, man, I, I appreciate you coming on. We'll have to link back up on here after the the season. And um, generally, I, you know, I, I, I doubt anything's going to change in your system, but it'll be interesting to see if, if anything happens where you're, Uh, might sway you to go one direction or another different than you did going into the season or whatever. So kind of circle back and shoot the shit at the end of season and talk about that type of stuff if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, no, that'd be cool. And I try not to play the yo-yo game too much where you get a good year weather and a bad year weather and go back and forth. But I think it all happens to everybody a little bit subconsciously. So a little bit of that goes on, but hopefully not too much of it.
0: I talked about that yesterday, that exact thing where – a guy goes in with a tarp, uh, or let's say a, a Hilleberg, goes in eight miles, gets his ass kicked. He's like, screw this. I'm running a, a, a tarp this next trip. Takes a tarp the next trip. Uh, weather's horrible. Pack-in's not as bad. Forgets that first trip. Goes back to a Hilleberg. That kind of shit happens all the time it happens to me too i mean your your trip depending upon the suck fest it was and what caused it your gear might change and luckily i have a pile of gear so the yo-yo game doesn't cost me i'll just grab something different off the shelf but yeah the yo-yo is is definitely a good way to put it because You can, your opinions on gear can change drastically from how much your ass got kicked from one trip to a next and, and truly all the gear is still good. It just wasn't maybe as applicable for that specific trip as it would be for, for a different one. And, um, definitely my gear changes a bit when I head out West, uh, meaning the wet side, um, Things change. Doesn't rain that much in Colorado. We got to deal with altitude here. Where you're at, you're dealing with rain. So, yeah, I'll be be interested to to, to see how all that goes. And uh, and Adam's going out with you too, right?
1: Yeah, he's coming out for a week. Um, so hopefully that goes well, and then I'll be out for I don't know a few more weeks after that.
0: Cool, cool. Well, good luck, man, out there, and definitely let's link back up after season. Yeah, sounds good. All right, man, take it easy. Thanks for coming on. All right, thanks,
1: man.